like to invite uh, Henrietta Brent Peterson to uh, give us the global economic and trade background. Thank you for being a great partner for uh, this event and uh, for working with us around the world. It's a great friend and thank you for being with us. Thank you very much for the nice introduction. Yeah, I will stay. And thank you for a very interesting uh, introductory speech where I can say that I will put numbers on a lot of the topics which was, briefly, uh, which was mentioned in the, in the previous uh, speak. In this uh, presentation, I will focus on the short-term risks, like we just heard about shipyard capacity, how it's putting pressure on uh, the current markets, and it remains the biggest short-term risk. But more importantly, I will talk more about how uh, the decreasing trade uh, dependence on global economic growth will impact on our major shipping markets and also how the structural changes will impact on uh, the major shipping markets. Both opportunities, but also in terms of uh, threats, uh, but especially opportunities. We have for several years been arguing that the traditional shipping cyclicality is no longer existing. We are temporarily out of shipping cyclicality. And we are looking at more short-term volatility. We argue that because of the imbalance in terms of uh, shipyard capacity, we, ha we are temporarily out of shipping cyclicality. If we look at uh, this slide, we see that the dark dotted line are the deliveries. And exactly like we just heard, deliveries are more or less in line with uh, the existing Chinese capacity. So the extreme mismatch between the uh, capacity and the utilization is leading to decreasing utilization of the shipyards. And this remains the biggest short-term risk. Overcontracting remains the biggest short-term risk. If we compare to the situation in 2005 and 6, where everyone was asking, uh, when can we get our vessels delivered because of the lack of shipyard capacity. Today, the situation, as you can see on this slide, is that we can get a vessel delivered within two years of contracting. In 2005 and 6, you had to wait five and six years for your vessel. It means that the contracting's place today will put pressure on the market much sooner and limit any rebound we may ex uh, expect. If we compare to the seaborne trade, um, here we want to illustrate the import volume growth in 2002 to 2008. That's on the left-hand scale. And compare it with the annual import growth for the various sectors between 2010 and 2016. And as you can see, if you are on the left-hand side of the dotted line, it means that the uh, growth, demand growth, was much stronger in the early years. So all sectors and commodities have seen lower trade growth during the recent period. If we look at the total seaborne trade, it grew by 5.9% annually in 2002 to 2008, and only by 2.1% 2 in 2010 to 2016. That is almost three times lower. So, and the global trade is getting less and less dependent on global economic growth. And going forward, all sectors are expected to see significant structural changes on the demand side. In Drybog, 
we are seeing that the China transition, uh, coal, renewable energy, container, change in manufacturing patterns, closer to consumption, reshoring, oil, tanker markets, renewable energy, environmental impact, and cars, change in the manufacturing, change in consumer behavior, etc. But more about that in the following slides. On the right-hand side of uh, the, the slide, you can see that almost all sectors are trying to absorb the many deliveries in the past years. But are demand expectations in line with the current order book? If we look at how cyclicality is changing, if we look at the Clarksy index, has declined by 4% compared to the first quarter in 2016, and it is 16% below the 2009 to 2017 average. This reflects the overcapacity in all shipping sectors and weak market balances in all major shipping segments, tankers, gas carriers, dry bulk and container. Speculative ordering and based on high demand expectations. Even traditional stable segments, such as car carriers, has seen uh, earnings deteriorate. If we move on to the dry bulk market, on the, uh, the long-term average, if you, you need to split between the left-hand scale and the right-hand scale to see that on the uh, left-hand scale, the long-term average 2000-2016 to and the right-hand scale development from 2016 to 2017. So the dry bulk on road to fundamentally supported rebound recovery where supply is actually less than demand growth. And demand continues to surprise on the upside. For example, the Chinese iron ore imports were up 12% and coal were up 33% in the first quarter of 2017 compared to the same period last year. So one thing which is supporting the dry bulk market is the lack of contracting, and that also remains the biggest risk. And what we have seen recently is an increasing interest in new, placing new building orders. That makes sense for the individual owner because the gap between secondhand price and new building price is decreasing. And with that gap narrowing, it also means that it makes more and more sense to place a new building order, especially taking into consideration the regulatory changes happening on the, in, in the future. So if we look at the order book to fleet ratio, it has declined to 8.4%, with half of the orders scheduled for delivery in 2017. But in line with the improvement in the freight market, scrapping has also come to more or less a health, only reaching 4.5 million deadweight ton compared to 14 million deadweight ton in the first quarter of 2016. So fleet growth is expected to reach between 0 and 2% in 2017 and 2018. And that is very much a need for fleet growth to remain limited in order to support the fundamentally supported rebound that we are currently seeing. If we look at more in-depth on the demand side, the Chinese economy is rebalancing towards consumption. IMF estimates that in 2016, 44% of the gap or GDP growth is from investment component. Going forward, this will shrink as consumption will contribute to a larger part of GDP. The average investment share 
of GDP in advanced economies in 2016 is 21%, and China is transitioning in this direction. This is very important as the consumption component is less trade intensive than the investment component. So the demand supply gap is expected to narrow over the next years as demand is expected to outgrow 2 to 3% and supply 0 to 2%. However, the key risk remains in new ordering and we have started to see interest in placing new building orders. The one belt, one road in China leads to massive investment in and development of trade routes in the region. The project is also a solution to the industrial overcapacity that has built up in many sectors. The Chinese steel capacity may go west with one belt, one road. The large scale investment needed to build the one belt, one road trade route to Europe will boost demand for steel and encourage a shift in China's production capacity to the west as it becomes easier to bring in raw materials. New organizations dedicated to the project include the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank and the Silk Road Fund. China Development Bank will invest more than 890 billion in at least 900 pro projects in 60 countries. Construction of the One Belt One Road trade route from China to Europe, if funded for the entire 8 trillion set needed may generate demand for a total of 272 million tons of steel. New regulations could introduce an upside to the potential scrapping forecast. In September 2017, the Ballast Water Treatment System Convention is enforced, while sulfur regulations are enforced in 2020. The IMO has come to a broad agreement to implement this global half percent limit on the sulfur component of fuel from 2020. If you look at the typical capex of installing ballast water treatment, it's between half a million and one and a half million, depending on the size of the vessels. This comes on top of the special survey cost. Thus an owner could be facing cost in the range of one and a half million to two and a half million for the less for the vessel to continue to trade. With low new building prices, obviously, it often makes sense to place a new building order instead of investing in an old asset. From 2017 to 2020, there's annually between 30 and 50 million deadweight tons scheduled for their third or above special survey. This is related to the age of the vessel and assuming that all vessels follow a normal special survey schedule. The vessels scheduled for special survey in 17 and part of 18 are likely to bring forward the special survey in order to postpone the investment in ballast water treatment. And these could potential scrapping candidates as the capex related to special survey and ballast water treatment might be above the expected future earnings. Further, some owners could be cash constrained without any other option than to scrap their vessels. If we move to a container, we can see that the demand growth have outpaced supply growth as a result of high demolition activity, significant slippage, and some rebound in demand. Together with additional demand stemming from start of new alliances in 2017, this has also lifted rates. Even the traditional Panamaxes have, have seen TC rates double in the past month. Fleet growth has outpaced demand growth every year since 2011. However, this trend was recently reversed. 
And in both fourth Q 2016 and first Q 2017, demand growth is projected to have outpaced supply growth as the fleet has shrunk in both quarters. Last year saw record scrapping and substantial delays in deliveries, leading to the slowest growth in percentage terms since 2009. And this trend has continued into first quarter 2017. In 2016, the fleet expanded by 1.4%, which is the slowest growth pace in percentage since 2009. This was driven by record scrapping and significant delays in deliveries. In total, 640,000 tow was scrapped, of which 43% belonged to the traditional Panamax vessels. Only 920 million were delivered, which implies that 35% of the scheduled deliveries at the start of 2016 were delayed. They're not cancelled, they're delayed and they will be delivered. In March 2017 saw the first increase in the charter market since June 2015. Even charter rates for classic Panamaxes has doubled in recent weeks and months. Although we are coming from rock bottom levels, the spike in the charter market is driven by recent quarters favorable supply demand developments and new alliances starting up. Uh, operations in April 2017 and taking on tonnage for new routes. It's not supported by underlying fundamentals. We expect this momentum to continue for the next three, maximum six months and thereafter adjust to uh, fundamentals. Again, looking at the relation between seaborne trade and global GDP, we saw up until 2008 an increase in imbalances, leading to a strong uh, boost on demand growth for containerized trade. So the import uh, multiplicator, we all know, the rule of thumb saying that uh, GDP multiplied by uh, two and a half, then we have uh, the growth in transported tow. That is no longer valid. It has no longer been valid since 2008. Because in 2008, with the financial crisis, we saw a reverse of uh, increasing imbalances, leading to a strong uh, decrease in the booster from GDP into transported to growth. So what we're looking at today and what we expect to continue in the, for in the future is a decreasing dependence on, uh, and especially in container, more than other sectors. And we see that currently we're looking at a, at a GDP multiplier of 1.2. We expect that level to remain for the next couple of years, but it is with a downward pressure. That is obviously negative for the container demand in the future. It's also driven, first of all, by decreasing dependence of uh, global GDP, but also on reshoring. We all, I don't know how many of you has a 3D printer at home, but we know that the structural changes materializing on the demand side in container is having a significant impact on the future uh, demand side. If we put some numbers on it again, we see despite that a large schedule order book for 2017 of 1.6 million tow, only 200,000 tow has been delivered in first quarter. Even if the record scrapping activities from 2016 is replicated in 2017 and we allow for delays in deliveries of the order book, 
The fleet will grow around 3 to 4% in 2017. Only seven vessels above 10,000 tow were delivered in the first quarter, which has limited the cascading pressure on the smaller vessels. 70 vessels above 10,000 tow, 70. I expect to enter the fleet in the remainder of 2017, and as a result, we expect the cascading pressure will intensify and also place a downward pressure on charter rates. So we expect the downward pressure on the container market to return within the next three to six months. In aggregate, no major improvement in the supply-demand balance is expected in 2017 and 2018 in the underlying fundamentals, but we expect to see volatility as we're currently seeing. Mismatch between the future supply and demand growth, many larger vessels in the order book will lead to increasing and intensifying cascading. And liners ordered larger vessels in to, to, in, in to lower their unit cost, while they suddenly be interested in cheap old Panamaxes, apart from chartering to fill short-term gaps on trades. Global economic growth is gaining momentum with recovery across, across regions. IMF adjust, uh, uh, upwards adjusted their forecast in April 2017 and expects world economy to grow at a pace of 3.5% in 2017, which is an increase from 3.1% last year, and expectations for 2018 is 3.6%. However, global uncertainties have increased with Brexit, critical elections in Europe, political paradigm shift in the US, and huge geopolitical challenges. A final note on the container market, one of the big dif which is so different from, from other shipping sectors, one of the major differences that we expect to lead to what we call the double dip and the triple dip uh, in, in, is, is the contract coverage. We've tried to put numbers on it, so if we're looking at the uh, charter contracts expiring, in 2017, it's 117, but if we're looking at the long-term charters expiring in 2019 and later, it's a significant share of the total fleet. And those contracts were uh, at a relatively high earning levels compared to the current market, even the increased market that we're looking at today. So that means that when these contracts are coming off charter and up for renewal, this will represent a significant challenge on the cash flow uh, because they will be renewed at uh, a lower rate. A final word on, uh, I'm running out of time, so a final word on the tanker markets. We see that there, we expect the continued strong demand growth, especially for product tanker markets, but also a stable demand growth for the crude market. But uh, both sectors are exposed to uh, supply growth uh, growing by more than the demand growth in 2017, but we expect a more balanced market already from 2018, and we are seeing that the challenges that we are experiencing in 2017 is uh, bottoming out in 2017, and we expect an improvement in the market from 2018. So I think I kept within time, and uh, thank you.